0: I'm reading from two different passion, passages of scripture if you'll help me here we'll start with the book of Colossians we're going to get to Ephesians just just three verses in total and just before I read the text I'll attempt to waste no word And if you have a heart to hear, then know that this is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, let, Let me do that again. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. So matter what I say after this, ultimately and forever... It's Jesus Christ and crucified. He set things in order. All of this belongs to him. All that was made by him and for him, all of it comes through him. All of it is because of him. Now with that view in mind, and according to his inspired word, that he breathed and men wrote in conjunction with Jeremiah 3.15, wherein God said he would give shepherds according to, and I quote, my own heart, with that view in mind, it is important to consider both the Lord's intention and his action because he said that he would build a church. He called it his church. In fact, he personalized it and said, my church. Okay, everybody good? We're still there? Amen. Colossians 1.18. Speaking of Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In all things, he might have the preeminence. He is the head of the body, he's the head of the church. The body is the church. And all the people said, Amen. Uh, Ephesians 4:15 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, <clears throat> that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom, from the head, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. By that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Here's a big one right here. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's go back to the top of that, verse 16. This is... The introduction, the origination has come from the head, Jesus Christ. Now, from whom the whole body is precisely orchestrated and has the ability to supply itself, it came from the head. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Because every part is critical. And it maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. It's, amen. And all the people said amen. So, I've worked on a title today. It's a struggle. I, I want to just say I, I have a couple of titles running around just in, in my brain. I, I it's it probably just identification of it. And so I'll offer you one and then maybe a subsidiary one. And then if you're writing down, some people like to write down the date, the title of the sermon. So I I preach, uh, support your local pastor. Or, 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 Or this is a subsidiary one, how to save your local pastor. We're going to go with the first one because I got a better response on that one. I, 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 Everyone who is uh, alive in the uh, 70s uh, will understand that. Um, so, uh, in Jesus' name, let the people receive the word and, and be kind to one another. Amen. You may be seated. That was a prayer. I'm sorry. It was a quick, quick prayer. My eyes were open. You were unprepared. Thank you. Incidentally, I already told uh, our minister of music that there is no uh, appropriate ending song. He can sing virtually anything in his repertoire, it won't matter. We begin today with an anointed king who has not yet assumed his throne. He is a psalmist. He is a a bear killer, a lion killer, a giant killer. He is a harpist, a musician, a passionate man. And he is hiding in a cave. The location is Adullam and David is there with Many of his men, not for reasons of fear, not for cowardliness or indifference, David is simply circumventing the inevitable confrontation between himself and the outgoing monarch. He does not want to have a battle with Saul. And while David hides in the cave of Adullam, there is a memory of better days gone by. He remembers when life was simple, when a harp and a song was all that he needed to be complete in the day. He specifically remembers the taste of the cool water that came from a well, a specific well, located perhaps just outside of the borders of Bethlehem. He muses, sighs openly verbalizes his small desire about it, David longed. He said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And to that whimsical thought, not a command, not an order, but to that whisper of want, three of his mighty men took it upon themselves, banded together, and set out to fulfill their leader's request. The Bible says that those men broke through the enemy's front line, risked their lives, in fact, filled then the leather flask with that cool, clear water from that specific well, and then raced back to grant David his desire. But when David saw what they had done, it was... Gripped, he could not drink it. He said, you have risked your blood to give me water. I I can't drink it. And then he poured it on the ground. Here's the very next line. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. No anger found in them. No malice, no disgust. Because of David's response. His response, what he had done with that water, had nothing to do with their mission. Instead, they just kept doing great exploits. And in that moment, they gave him grace. Paul wrote that by grace you are saved through faith. He was writing about God's grace, but alas, there is another grace that happens in the body which is fitly joined together. It's the grace given to one another and also to your local pastor. If the only grace we ever receive is from God, then we will, in fact, become a selfish people. Grace given to one another begins with an attempt to accommodate everyone around us. Your local pastor needs grace from God, this is true, and also grace from the body. You see, local pastors make requests, they cast great vision, they set out directives and then uh, they change their mind. They think of things to do and sometimes engage other people in the effort, then just about the time for it all to come together, local pastors change their mind. And all that effort and time might, in fact, be poured out, never to be retrieved again. Every local pastor needs grace. If you're going to save, help, or support your local pastor, you're going to have to start with an offering of grace. This, is, this becomes the dysfunctionality of every church because there's little grace given to people. We accept all things from God But we have a tough time returning all of that to everyone around us. But if we could ever get out what God has given to us. And if we we could ever give out what the Lord has supplied to us. Think of what this whole house would be. Forgiveness at every level. Accommodating. Long suffering. Because some people in the house have short suffering. Some people don't suffer at all. Some people aggravate you and you aggravate God. Even Paul said, don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't keep sinning that grace may abound. God, he said, God forbid that you would do that. But even when he does, when you do frustrate him, oh the grace is immeasurable. Mercy is not getting what you deserved. But grace is getting what you did not deserve. (laughs) And when the body starts to function with grace, it's easy to support your local pastor with grace. (laughs) Amen. Got a song for that one? (laughs) Keep thinking. I'm working with you. Because it's going to move from grace to work. And I speak of labor. Moses is on the mountain and Joshua is in the valley. The leader is looking down and the warrior is pressing forward. Both of them are in the position that God has appointed. And yet the battle is long. It's an all day battle. Now I understand that there's a supernatural work going on. Because as long as Moses had his hands raised, Joshua prevails. Israel is advancing. The enemy's in retreat. But when the hands of Moses get heavy and they fall down, the enemy prevails and Israel is now in retreat. I know that there is a supernatural element in this biblical narrative. However, Aaron and her enter the scene, two men, and they secure the victory as they hold up the arms in the hands of Moses. It was an all-day task and it took work. If you're going to support your local pastor, save him. It will take work, energy, real hours, real labor, real effort. Because he dies and he's lost if there are no laborers. And no matter how he presents himself, he's still like what Paul wrote, a man of like passions with you. Same struggle, same emotions, same feeling, and and also the same limitations anointed and appointed sure commissioned for a design for a design call but without the body he's lost Isaiah wrote it this way in Isaiah 41 and 7 so the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith the goldsmith might be putting the finishing touches on the furnishing he might make it look really beautiful maybe there's an added worth there and wealth yes but his overlay is only made possible. It's only as good as the work of the carpenter. Both are needed, but but if the carpenter does no, does no work, then the goldsmith has no purpose. There are many men and women, pastors, who have entered cities and towns and worked, but with no help. They prepared the gold ready, but without having the benefit of the carpenter, all of that work is wasted. The goldsmith does not encourage the carpenter. It's the carpenter that encourages the goldsmith. The carpenter puts the pieces together. It causes the goldsmith then to shine. It's the highest level of encouragement through a labor-intensive effort. And though the object is worth less without the gold, the design and the beauty come from the effort of the carpenter. Both are critical. One is not good without the other. But without the dispute, the carpenter always encourages the goldsmith. And if the local pastor is going to be saved, he cannot do it alone. It's called the body, ladies and gentlemen. It was never supposed to be one man, listen, or one personality or one talent. It was never meant to be a professionalized position. He's just one part of the puzzle. He's not the whole puzzle. You see, the body, the church, has a design. While it might look like this is just supporting the local pastor, the truth is that the entire church is saved when the carpenter encourages the goldsmith. The mission of the body is to enhance one another. It maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Nothing is made unless both put forth the work The time and the effort, significance, and things of consequence are found when the whole church works together. It happens when we all stop thinking that we don't matter. Everyone matters. Everything you do matters. Every prayer that you pray, it matters. Every phone call that you make to someone encouraging them in the church, it matters. Every hour of labor, every time of fellowship, it all matters. Everyone matters. In fact, when you say that you don't matter, you're putting the cross of Calvary in jeopardy and you are besmirching the work that Jesus Christ did because he thinks you matter. And he puts you in the church because you matter. And if you say, well, I don't have that ability and I don't have that talent and I don't have, the, I don't have that gifting. It doesn't matter if you have that. Whatever you have, you bring it because the carpenter always encourages the goldsmith. The goldsmith doesn't own the gold. The goldsmith didn't make the gold. The goldsmith just takes what's there and he forms it. <laughs> He's no better than the carpenter. The goldsmith just has a different craft. It's just a different position. But I wonder what would happen if the goldsmith and the carpenter started to work together. Oh my, there's something that's going to come out of that. It's going to be immeasurable. The price and the value of it is going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. One holds up the hand. One fights in the valley. One is used in a supernatural way, but all supply each other. With what each of them need to edify itself in love. Support your local pastor. (laughs) I can tell you uh, near the cross is out. And what a mighty God that one's... It brings me to the next level of supernatural understanding. I hope you can grasp this. You'll have to actually catch it with your spirit. The Bible says that Joshua had become the leader of the nation of Israel. It was a long time coming. He's learned under the direction of Moses. He studied his leader. He served at every given opportunity. Joshua has replied with positive reports, but then sat in the seat of the minority. He's taken up worthy causes and Consequently, God, through Moses, will give him charge of the leadership of the nation. If Moses was the original pastor type, then Joshua was the original sister assistant pastor type. Until he became... The first notable miracle occurred when Joshua led the people across the Jordan River on dry ground. And though it was during the flood season and, and the waters were held at bay and a miracle unfolded before their eyes, it would always be less than the miracle of the Red Sea. In fact, in a recent survey, most Christians have never heard of Joshua leading Israel across the River Jordan on dry ground. Moses, yes, Red Sea, pretty much so, but Joshua, not so much. He never acquired the acclaim of his former leader. Then comes Jericho. Right after Jordan comes Jericho. This incredible city with large walls. High walls so thick that they rode chariots on the top of them. And it's amazing what happened. God gave instruction to Joshua. How to defeat this fortified city. And then... It looks like God sent a fear into the city. Jericho was just waiting to be defeated, and so Joshua leads the people, and they march around the wall six days. On the seventh day, they march around seven times, and they 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 blow the trumpets, and God God's word comes true. Even as a child, we used to sing the song about how Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. No one ever sang how Joshua led the men to a loss and defeat in Ai. But the next day, after Jericho, Joshua and Israel took on a small town of Ai and didn't even have an army. Israel should have wiped them out, but Ai prevailed. Israel was defeated. And at the campfires in the night, I suppose, mothers and children moaned at the death and loss of their sons and their fathers. God told Joshua about Jericho, but he said nothing about Ai. Ai. They defeated this massive city, but they lost at a little place that had no wall. And while the local pastor is both anointed and appointed, not every battle ends in celebration. In the fight, sometimes there is loss and casualties. Now, if you want to save your local pastor, then you need to recognize that both victory and defeat live in the same house. You're going to have to catch us with your spirit. Your local pastor might buy a building not knowing that the roof is failing. Yes, that has happened. That local pastor didn't know, but that the cost of repairing that roof was more than the entire cost of the whole building. And that body had to make a choice in that particular circumstance whether to keep following him or not. Some of them lost confidence in their local pastor that he could ever hear from God because they were in a worse position than they started before he led them to buy the building. He might be the local pastor that bought two church buses. They looked good. They looked wonderful. They were clean and shiny. But the motors blew up a couple months later and all that money was lost. It was that local pastor who became so sick over it because of all the hard work that he and everybody had done. In fact, it was it was that local pastor that stood up and said, this is the will of God that we buy these buses because we're going to pick up children and their parents. And the body sacrificed. They did fundraisers only to find out that at the end they had neither bus nor money. AI is always creeping around the corner. Support your local pastor. That's a sad song. (laughs) Faith, however, is an incredible thing. It's on the menu. Now and forever, it's faith. Faith is the order of the hour. But of course, it's the order of every hour. You see, your local pastor can fight the battle. But it's always better when someone is ready to answer by faith. The Bible says that in all, I don't know how this happened, but in all of Israel, there was only two swords found. Well, you talk about a demoralized nation. And the only swords that were found was with the king and his son, Jonathan, uh, and his father Saul. And it appears that they were decorative swords. They weren't fighting swords. But the Bible says that there's no other sword found, 1 Samuel 14. And Saul is leading. He's very corrupt. He's lost the spirit of God. Jonathan is on his own mission, full of all kinds of courage boldness he sees a small group of the philistines about 20 men standing on top of a knoll about the size of a a half acre of land and he turns to his armor bearer for whom the bible offers no recognition no name and jonathan says to his armor bear hey let's go start a fight And the armor bearer, who has no sword, is so full of faith, he bypasses his own limitations and his own lack of resources, and he says to Jonathan, and I quote, Do all that is in thine heart turn thee, behold, I'm with you according to your heart. Not according to logic or the the odds. I'm not with you because I think we're going to do this. It's going to be great. You know, we got a whole lot of help here, and, and I got swords and spears and arrows and all the ammunition. No, I'm just with you according to whatever you have in your heart. Your local pastor will always be in need of someone who needs no recognition but is so full of faith that they will ignore what they don't have and respond with affirmation that goes something like this. Whatever you have in your heart, I'm with you. No logic, no analysis, no what ifs, just let's do it. We can do it. God's on our side. We can do it. (laughs) See, your local pastor... May or may not be strong. He may not be as far up as you think he is. And may he may not be as bold as he appears. He might just have a preacher voice. That don't mean nothing. God, Yeah, he might be afraid. But if there is someone who will exercise a measure of faith, I believe the whole body will be... Joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, your local pastor is not always walking in faith and power. <laughs> this is disturbing some of you. He might just be hanging on by the skin of his teeth. He might be walking in fear and doubt. He might be swallowed up in bewilderment. Scratching his head. He might have to rely on your faith, which God gave you. Which means that the body is going to come together to do the work of the kingdom. Because within the function of the body, there are people that say, I got faith. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I got faith. I don't know what would have happened if the armor bearer would have said, no, 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 no. no. Wait a second. It's you, me, 20 guys. I don't have a sword. You have the sword. We got to climb up. They they got the position. The Bible said they climbed up on their hands and knees. That's the worst way to approach an enemy. They got the high ground and you have no weapons of war except one. In fact, it's nice for you to say, let's go to the battle, Jonathan. You've got the sword. I don't have anything. But that's not what he said because he didn't consider. He considered the heart of his leader and said, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm just going to be with you heart and soul. Do it. We're going to do it. You see, you might actually save your local pastor by grace through faith. <laughs> yes. How, how are we doing now? I want to just say to you, uh, please don't say Jesus bless him. Lord bless him. He already did. Because when you start saying that, it, it makes me wonder what I'm doing wrong. Because when I was growing up, when the people started saying, Lord, bless him, it meant, Lord, help him. He has lost his train of thought, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> when I was growing up, when people said, Lord, bless him means he's a really bad preacher. Lord, please put something in his mouth, because we are tired of hearing this guy ramble. <laughs> Is that what mom told you, dad? Okay. I don't know why she did that. You should have stopped that a long time ago. Now, what about the doctrine? Are you still working this? What about the doctrine? I feel for you. I really do. I I was thinking, what can I offer? But you're a brilliant man. What happens to the local pastor who teaches and preaches the doctrine of Jesus Christ, but the people reject it? Did you know that that happens all the time, everywhere? Everywhere? In fact, that's been happening for 2,000 years. Did you know that? Did you know that Paul wrote a little word to his apprentice Timothy? And this is what he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap upon themselves, they'll hire people to tell them what they like. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth and they'll just go into false things and fables and lies. What happens when the, when the local pastor preaches the doctrine, but people reject it? That's nice. Just keep on preaching, pastor. Just keep on doing it. Don't worry about it, pastor. You just keep on. That's, that's nice. I, pastor, don't, it don't matter what everybody, if everybody walks out, don't, it don't matter. That's nice for you to say. That's nice. You just preach it hard, preach it straight, Pastor. I like it hard. Yeah. You, you coming back? Are you you coming back next week? What if I preach something that invades your personal space? You, you, you coming back? See, the moment people turn away and leave over doctrine and over Bible, I'm talking. I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about Scripture. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking. I'm talking about ties. Moment I talk about ties, somebody gets up and says they're always talking about money. Anyone who says they're always talking about money usually have a problem with money. Talk about attitude. Usually, people have problems with attitude. Talk about don't gossip and don't call schisms in the church. All that stuff. People get upset. Why don't you just preach the Bible? That is in the Bible. <laughs> first, first thing I talk about: having a healthy home. Man, being the head of this home. That's not culturally cachet. Come on, get back to baptism. Usually, people like for the local pastor to preach things they've already conquered. Oh, you coming back here? Just, (laughs) Hey, I got, I got a, a, a song for you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the church next Sunday. Jesus made a statement, and it was so unsettling. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part with me. And the Bible says, from that time, many of the people left him and followed him no more. Now watch this. The dual nature of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, in his humanity, he turns to his closest disciples and he asks them, will you also go away? It was painful to watch all those people. He spoke him because they could not understand it or they refused to stay around long enough for an explanation or an enlightenment or a revelation. He taught them in ways that challenged their sensibilities and their preconceived ideas. And, and at the end, they just said, it's a hard saying. Who can under, Who can bear that? And they left him. They walked out. And there was Jesus standing alone watching them go because of what he had said. And in what can only be seen, watch this, what can only be seen as a plea From the human heart of this perfect man, Christ Jesus, he turns to the 12 disciples and he asked them, will you also leave? But Peter stood up. Thank God for Peter. Thank God for a loud mouth. Sometimes cussing. Sometimes bold. Little hypocrisy from now on. Go read your Bible. You'll find it out. You know. Condemns all the Gentiles for what they do, stands with the Jews, walks in the back door and starts eating shrimp, sausage and bacon. (laughs) Thank God for Peter. He stood up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You couldn't chase me away, Lord, for nothing. I know I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'll get back up again. I'm following you. I got no other place to go. I just want you to know right now, those 12 disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about either. The, the, the people that left didn't understand what he said when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. But those 12 guys, they didn't know either. They, didn't, they knew nothing. They just stuck around and said, well, we don't get it, but we're staying. <laughs> See, the closer we get to the end time and the more perverse the world becomes and the world is perverse, you will probably save your local pastor by just simply supporting the doctrine and the Bible. As long as your local pastor is preaching from the Bible, even if it's uncomfortable, support your local pastor. Because if it's in the book, if it's in the book and it matches up to the word and if it's in order to the flow of the spirit and just stay with it, No understanding needed. If it's in the book, the understanding is going to come. And if others reject it or if someone you hear pastor and if someone you love leaves it and they say, well, we found a better way. You should stay in the way because you can come from anything to this, but you can't go from this to anything. (laughs) This is, this is how I know this. Because Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he's preaching and he basically says, remember the prophet Joel who was preaching all those hundreds of years ago, maybe six or seven hundred years ago. Remember we were reading the prophet Joel. Remember how Joel said that God in the last days would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Peter then said, this, what's going on here is that. He said, this is that. This Holy Ghost is what Joel was prophesying all those years ago. This is what Isaiah was writing about when he said God would speak through them with stammering lips and another tongue, Isaiah 28. This is that. When you found this, there's not another. This is that. What's happening here is, th- is that. There's not another that. And if this is that, there's no other place to go. So I say just stand with the revelation that you found and protect it and love it and embrace it. And if the local pastor preaches a word that convicts you, if the word, the preached word, the preached word, not his own idea, not humanism, if he, if he preaches the word that challenges your thinking, then just change your thought. But don't leave the truth. Paul, Paul said it this way, when the storms had come and the rocks were certain, Paul said to the centurion, all the people there, he said, except these abide in the ship, you won't be saved. Support your local pastor. How much time do I have? I'll just give you one more. Because this is the one that pertains specifically to this location. I, I'd like to use another word, but it's, it's the most common one. It's evangelism, but the word that we know it is revival. Because any local pastor with an ounce of passion and anointing, any God-centered shepherd desires to do the work of the kingdom. For lack of more definitive word, it's revival. Nothing helps sustain or save the pastor like the whole church engaging in home Bible studies. There's no fundraiser, there's no church service, there's no amount of funds given, there's no influence better than if the church becomes a revival center. Nothing is better to the local pastor than when you go to your home and you start teaching somebody a Bible study about Jesus. Let me tell you what happens to the local pastor. It ignites his heart when hungry people reach souls through love and nurture and bring people to the kingdom. The reprieve for the local pastor comes when there's a revival. Because no matter how many mistakes he's made or how much chaos comes, when people are baptized in the name of Jesus are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's like, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz. I got some indigestion. Why? Because you ate something bad. And when people walk into church that are your friends and your family, you're teaching them a Bible study. You're talking about Jesus. Several things are happening. The first thing that's happening is that a soul is seeing light for the first time. The second thing that's happened, they're saving you. (laughs) Because you don't really even know what you believe until you start teaching it. And the third thing that's happened, you are supporting and saving your local pastor. Now, the pastor's world might be spinning upside down. This is very disconcerting for some of you. But if the church brings people and prays for people and reaches people, there is an assurance that regardless of the trouble, it's worth it all. I know of which I speak. We've gone through a lot of trouble, Dad. Dad. And when you were pastoring in the church and there was trouble, but we were baptizing people, it didn't matter what the trouble was. When we lost people we thought we'd never lose and gained people we thought we would never come, there was a settling in our spirit. Because there's no support like believers working in the field. If you want to save, help, support, encourage your local pastor, just know this. A revival that is birthed from your house and then brought to this house is better than anything you could ever do. You couldn't pat him on the back. You couldn't give him a card better. You couldn't give him a, a gift card to Umi Grill. Sushi Umi Grill. You you could. No. You couldn't do anything better Ever to Start a revival in your own home, in your own family, in your own life, in your own house, around your own table. Teaching people about, do you want to know how to save your pastor? Start a revival that does not come from an organized effort from the leadership team. Because there's no support like the body in the field. It's your friend. You know them. They're not here yet. It's your neighbor. You live next door to them. You wave to them. Hopefully it's your family. Some of them are just without. Some of them are discouraged. Some of them just need you to say, come on, let's go. It's people you meet every day. You don't even know them yet, but you'll meet them tomorrow, sometime this week. It's everywhere you go. It's everything that you say. If you want to support your local pastor, start an outreach ministry. Just you and your car. And if you have an empty back seat, you have an official church bus. Now it depends on how you drive whether or not we give you a sticker. If you drive like me, I'm not giving you a sticker. Uh-huh. Does that mess you up too? I've just messed up so many people. Support your local pastor. <laughs> Amen. I I think I can speak for every pastor that has a burden for the kingdom. The greatest thing that could ever happen in a pastor's life, the local pastor, is for the church to have a mighty revival and be centered on the word. There is nothing that will keep a local pastor on fire. Than the people of the most high God, the body, fitly framed together, working together through love, reaching the lost souls and praying for them, laying hands on them and watching them receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. In fact, you put that local pastor in the depths of hell. Put him in a place where everybody hates Jesus. Put him in the darkest city with the most corrupt people all around. But if he's having revival, he's going to say, we believe that God is doing a great work and he'll stay forever because there is a revival happening. And this, Acts chapter 2 verse 47, this is the wrap-up of his entire existence. Praising God. Come on, everybody. We're going to praise God. We're going to praise God no matter what happens. We're going to praise God no matter what the conditions are. We're going to praise God no matter how we feel. We're going to praise God. We're going to praise God. We're going to praise God. We're going to give him praise in the morning. We're going to give him praise in the afternoon. At the evening time, we're going to give him praise. All the church is going to praise him. If you want to know how the early church wrapped up the whole thing, they were just praising God. They started by praising God. They entered his gates with thanksgiving to his courts with praise. Nothing was going to stop them from praising God. They were going to praise him in the good times. They were going to praise him in loss. They were going to praise him in suffering. They were going to just wait till the thing went all right and everything was good. Here's the wrap up of the early church experience. And they had favor with people. You cannot have favor with anybody unless you execute the love of the Lord. And the love of the Lord comes from the fruit of the Spirit. So you can speak with tongues, but if you don't have the love of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God, you'll have no favor with the people. So don't think that the end of it is just speaking with our tongues. It's not. It's it's delivering and executing and exhibiting the fruit of that Holy Ghost Spirit. And then you have favor with people. And you have favor with people because you serve people. Please don't just read past that and say, all we're going to do is shout and praise and clap our hands. No, you're going to go have favor with everybody because you're going to serve everybody. And you can start by serving each other. And let me tell you what the response of the Most High God is. Jesus Christ, who said, I'm coming to build my church. The Lord will add to the church every day. As many... I should be saved. Because we got to reach the unsaved. We got to reach the prodigal. We got to reach the discouraged. If you want to save your local pastor, then seek to reach the lost, the prodigal, and the discouraged. And there's no better way to save your local pastor than saving and reaching the lost. (laughs) When the lost are found... The local pastor is found. When the lost are reached, you just reached your local pastor. Support your local pastor. Now, some of you are going to walk away saying, well, that was all about pastor. I get it. I knew I told you when I started, should I go back? I said, I'm not going to let any of these words... Fail, I'm going to say every word. So you don't remember what I said when I first started before I read the scripture because you were just getting back from the restroom. But now I'm not going to repeat that. You have to go online and listen to the first about 30 seconds. Oh, you mean it was all about Jesus and all about the church and, uh, and me and how we fit together and what's going to happen? Because you see, all of this is under the head We're not coming here just to have a good time and just leave and have a good time. Because if this is just about us, take down the screens. We're we are going to learn the words. You don't need the words. The screens are not for all the people who regularly come to church. These words are for people who di- who hasn't come to church and, and, and they don't know the songs. The, the altar is for people who need the Lord and want to reach God. The, the baptismal tank is filled, not for you that have been baptized already, but so the people that haven't been baptized in Jesus' name can find themselves in the water, washing away their sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter what size of the building it is. got to have revival. It doesn't matter if there's, there's no seats left. we got to have revival. If every seat in every church is filled, there ought to be a hunger to have revival. Because if we don't have revival, you're going to lose your local pastor. You lose him. I'm not talking about me, because I ain't going anywhere. I'm talking about the body didn't get it. You're talking about the body. You lose the body because when the body becomes introverted and think it's all about me, then all of a sudden there's no people being baptized. There's no healings. There's no miracles. Then we think, well, what can we get out of that? Because people start thinking, well, you know, I'll come if there's something good to be offered to me. Why don't you come and offer something good? Why, why don't you walk and say, I don't know what I'm here to do, but I'm, I'm ready to minister to somebody. Why don't you look around at the people around you, wherever you are, and say, I've come here for a time just like this to lay hands and pray and intercede for the people around me. What you did not know is that God has empowers you with Holy Ghost power to pray for everybody around you. Amen. We're going to have a revival. I don't know if there's a special speaker that's going to lead us in that. I really am not for it. I'm fine with it, it's okay, but I'd like to have a revival in somebody's house. I'd like for there to be a house revival started somewhere. How about some participants? We want a house revival. How about a house prayer meeting? How about a home Bible study? Amen. Okay, please stand with me now. I believe that God has spoken to our church and that the Lord wants to use us for his glory in this last day. Amen. I just, I'm going to pray and then we're going to pray. Oh, Father, you've granted us the blessings that we could not afford. You've given us truth and doctrine fellowship. You've given us so much. I pray, Lord, let there be a burden and a fire. Let there be the orchestration of your will executed among the people let this body of believers which have been ordained by your will, I pray, help us be aligned with an in-time massive Holy Ghost revival. Let there be an Acts chapter 2 moment in this city. I pray, Lord, for faith to rise, for encouragement to rise for the love of sound doctrine to rise. I pray, Lord, that there would be help among the people. Remove from us, Lord, all all conversation that would work against the unity of the people and of the body. Help us to measure ourselves and look at ourselves, Lord. I'm asking you now, Lord, that you would grant us knowledge of what you've done for us so that we can return it to the people we see. Let there be mercy for mercy, love for love, grace for grace. I'm asking the Lord, put a deep burden and a fire in the heart of every person. Help us to be a godly people, a pure people that embrace holiness that embrace godliness, that will live our lives according to Your Word and not according to our own desires. I pray for homes that they'll be healthy, spiritually healthy. I pray for young people that they would be in unity, in love one to another. I pray, I pray for all the ministries of the church, the many ministries of the church, Lord. All the seeds that we've planted for all these years, Lord, let there be, let it culminate to a mighty harvest. Let there be a mighty revival. Now I want you to pray everyone, just lift up your hand to the Lord and say, use me for your glory. Use me. Come on, someone, someone proclaim that. Someone just say, I, I'm ready to be used Lord. I'm, I'm ready to execute this. I'm, I'm ready to participate. I want to be a part of this. Yes, 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 yes. I'm opening up this altar for everyone who wants to come and just, maybe you just might want to come and stand in the front and just say, Lord, use me for your glory. I'm ready to do something extraordinary I've never done before. Somebody, I I I don't want to pressure you, but I'm just opening this up for anyone who wants to make this deep, deep, enduring commitment to the operation of the body of Jesus Christ, I pray. To the operation of the body of Jesus Christ, I pray. In the name of Jesus, That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's right, we're almost there. We're almost there, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Savior. Hallelujah, Savior. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we're praying it now. Use us, use us, use us.